I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck S foils attack positions. Prepare for battle. Autobots, roll out. Get ready. It's your weekly dose of nerd culture. So you're watching your weekly dose of nerd culture. Well, you're not going to get it for the next four weeks because this is Halloween. As I was saying, this is spooky season, and we're looking at all things bone-chilling and horrifying. <laughs> Hello there, if you're still with us after that terrifying bone-chilling intro. Uh, this is your weekly nerd alert, <clears throat> and I'm your host, Obi-John Kenobi. Thank you for joining us for another fun spooky season installment today we are throwing out what we're gonna do <coughs> for various reasons and we are gonna get into reviewing some spooky movies specifically a spooky movie i don't know why i said movies plural we're gonna do one movie we're here to review the newest edition in the hellraiser franchise and to help me do that i am bringing along the usual crew let me introduce First and foremost, the man who keeps the nerd in the Talk Nerdy to Me network. Ladies and gentlemen, to the bridge, Commander Scott. So, um, I recently found out something quite interesting. Because I like to find out interesting stuff, and then I like to bring it to you. Because I want you to find it as interesting as I do. So, you know that lovely little extra, like, gun thing that most people a lot of police officers have on their belt. It's usually in a cross draw right in the front. and The taser? The taser. Yeah, I was going to say extra gun thing. Extra gun thing. Because it's not a weapon. It, it is a weapon. It's it's not a firearm. Okay. Um, uh, it, it is a non-lethal uh, 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 deterrent. It is called the taser. It introduces an electric shock. So have you ever been curious as to why the taser... It's called a taser. <clears throat> yeah, it's an acronym. Uh, it, well, it's an acronym. Laser and laser were already claimed by American gladiators. So. That's true. They okay. well, actually, technically, they weren't. Not at the time taser came about. Sorry. Says you. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure it says the timeline. Mm-hmm. But um, do you know what? Uh, off the top of your head, without googling it, Jay, do you know what the do you know what the acronym taser stands for? I. Don't. I once I, I did at one point in time, but and, <clears throat> not off the top uh, of my head, no. So so the, the interesting thing, so laser, you know what laser stands for, right? No. Light no. something 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 something. Close. Um so laser stands for light amplification through stimulated emissions of radiation. Just what I said. Exactly. Uh light something, 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 something. <clears throat> So, taser actually has nothing to do with that. So, 
the the inventor of the taser is a gentleman named John Higgins Cover Jr., who was born in 1920. He was an aerospace scientist. Uh, I'm not sure who he was working for uh, at the time. He invented the taser, uh, mm-hmm. but he in, he invented the taser in uh, I think sometime around the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, and in 1970, he formed Taser Systems Inc. Inc. Okay, basically to 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 make uh, to to manufacture tasers and stuff. Um, now, the taser originally, the original version, used gunpowder to launch the darts. So the federal government considered a fire considered it a firearm at the time, uh, and so it was only. Uh, for uh, like military sales and stuff, but anyway, um, there is a character. There's a fictional character who was originally created in 1910 called Tom Swift. Taserface. Oh, sorry. no, not Taserface. No, Tom Swift. I'm sure you all have heard, at least heard of the character of Tom Swift, right? He, he's kind of like a uh, uh, what's what's the uh, what, what's the boy inventor. Uh, the boy genius inventor uh, guy. Jimmy Neutron. No, no. no. Dexter. Think off that, but there's the Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest. Thank you. He's he's kind of like the Johnny Quest of his time. Johnny Quest was a was kind of a a, a reform reformulation of Tom Swift. Okay. There's a novel or one of the serials that Tom Swift back in 1911 uh, that came out. Because if because usually most Tom Swift novels was Tom Swift and his something whatever invention it was for that serial. So in 1911 there was Tom Swift and his electric rifle. So Taser is literally named after that as an electric rifle, because the yeah. inventor was a fan of Tom Swift when he was growing up. So Taser T A S E R is Thomas A Swift's electric rifle. Nice. That's what Taser stands for. It is based off of a 1910 uh, serial fictional uh, pulp fiction character. That's awesome. I thought so. Well, thank you for that knowledge. Now we all know what Taser means. And uh, now Taser Face's name makes even less sense. Yep. (laughs) So... Helping complete this rowdy crew, uh, we have joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via a DeLorean. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Doc. We have such sights to show you, John. Please, Jay. No tears. It's a waste of good suffering. Oh. Jay, I'm excited for this um, today. So, you know, we're reviewing the new Hellraiser movie. Uh, but the reason there's three of us here, like most of our reviews, and this is why I love doing reviews with this group, uh, we're coming to this from varying angles and degrees of fandom. So we're before we jump into the actual review, let me go around the horn. We'll start with Jay. And tell me, what level of fandom of of Hellraiser? You know, how many of the movies has had you seen? Uh, uh, how big of a fan are you? 
uh, coming into this movie, what's your your background history with this franchise? Jay, we'll start with you. I knew of the original. I knew of the Cenobites and Pinhead. And I knew that there was a puzzle box. Brilliant. It's the beginning yeah, and end of my interview. <laughs> so Jay, for the purposes of this episode, and, and this is why I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first Hellraiser movie you've ever watched, correct? Yes. Perfect. So you're going to bring to this the the... <clears throat> I've heard of the Hellraiser. I've seen Pinhead, but I've never seen a movie perspective. <coughs> Scott, <clears throat> same question. Well, to be honest, I, I I couldn't tell you when I first saw Hellraiser. Because uh, you're that old. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but personally, I love Hellraiser. It's because it's right in my wheelhouse of uh, uh, horror movies that I like, which is things heavy with the supernatural and 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 occult and and everything and this has a little bit of both um i've seen the original many many times i've seen every hellraiser movie at least once even the direct-to-video ones um uh and uh you know i i love hellraiser i i usually watch one and two usually one two and three at least every every year uh around halloween time i, I get back into it um, I I may or may not have a 3D printed puzzle box that I'm trying to figure out how to automate, so it'll it'll auto reconfigure on its own, um, just to to freak people out. I'm uh, looking forward to that. Well, if I can ever figure out how to get the internal mechanism to work, um, but yeah, no, I I I love Hellraiser. I I've even read so I've I've read the novella The Hellbound Heart that Hellraiser is based off of, uh, which was also written by uh, Clive Barker because I I love Clive Barker. I mean the man's got a wonderfully twisted mind, uh, uh, and everything. And so yeah, I'm I'm all in when it comes to Hellraiser and and you know of course Phantasm and all that good stuff. But yeah, stuff like that. So that's where I'm at. So opposite ends of the spectrum. That's perfect. Uh, I'm splitting the difference here. This is, I've seen my first exposure to, to the whole franchise. Well, by that, I mean the first time I actually sat down and watched a Hellraiser movie was when uh, uncle Joe Bob did one on whatever season of uh, last drive in. I don't think it was the original marathon. It might've been, um, that was the first time I'd ever watched an entire Hellraiser movie. And I then watched the second one because I was intrigued by some of the ideas from the first one. And at that point, I asked my horror buddies, hey, <clears throat> should I keep watching? I know there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, to which I was given a resounding, eh, <laughs> about the rest of the franchise. <clears throat> uh, I was told um, after the first two, it's kind of downhill. Uh, and I made the joke, oh, just like the Alien franchise. And then, then I think it was Karan who said, yeah, but this hill is a lot bigger or has a lot further to fall. Because uh, there's, I believe the film we're reviewing tonight is the 11th movie in the Hellraiser series. And from what I'm told, everything after two is downhill. Everything after four is bottom of the barrel. Um, 
So that's as much as I know. I've seen and enjoyed the first two, and then I stopped after that and came into tonight's movie. So I'm kind of right there in the middle, uh, which is why I'm looking forward to this review, because I think the three of us, we've, we've got the entire fan base covered as far as people who've never seen the Hellraiser movie to people who are huge fans of the franchise and everyone who falls somewhere in between. We are good to go. So that being said, like we do for all our reviews, we will try to keep, I'm going to set a timer, the first roughly 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to stay spoiler free. So we're not going to tell you anything about the movie that is a huge plot spoiler. Uh, we're just going to give kind of our own vague, did I like it, did I not like it, and why. Uh, and then after that, we'll give you a spoiler warning to hop off if you haven't watched it yet. And then we're just going to spoil the shit out of it. So with that being said, Jay, uh, as someone who this is, you know, we're popping your your Hellraiser cherry tonight. What did you think, sir? You really want me to go first? I just want, again, no spoilers, just your general, did you like it, not like it, and, and vaguely, briefly, why? I was very bored. Okay. I was very bored. <laughs> uh, um, the, I, without getting into spoiler territory, the cold open was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh and then it got a little too cliche tropey for me. And that's coming off of our cliche trope. <laughs> yeah, I was to say you were probably primed for all that. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yep. And like I understand it's horror, and I know it's that genre of horror that scott and i talked about where it's like the grotesque right scott is that what we it was like one of those yeah this movie does 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 very much uh lean into the the genre of horror where it's showing you you know stuff that is is literally it, it, it it's trying to give you that visual repulsiveness of things that are grotesque and uh painful and uh, so yeah so from my my point of view again remember i had mm-hmm. never seen any hellraiser hellraiser movies i see i understood the pain point of view of it but i was not taken aback by the grotesqueness i didn't think it as grotesque as i've seen other movies like for example, and this is this is not comparing apples to apples. I understand what I'm going to say okay. is not an apples to apples comparison. But I think the thing did a better job of like grotesque body horror type stuff than this one did. Really? Yes. Honestly, I was yeah. Uh, a head splits off from the body, lands on the floor, sprouts legs, and crawls away. That's kind of hard to top. <laughs> yeah, and I know, like I said, I'm not doing apples to apples, but like in the realm of in the the realm of horror movies, the genre of horror movies, the last horror movie that I watched before this Hellraiser was The Thing. Um, <clears throat> and so I guess that was still fresh in my mind. And they're, I don't want to say they're the, they're not the same. Okay, I'm going to say that they're not the same, but they're in the same vein to me. Was it was it an issue of it had been kind of hyped up 
so going into it you were kind of preparing for like an 11 and what you got was more like a soft six yeah because like in the hulu section of it like mm-hmm. in the Huluween, it's like, oh, it's level one is scary. Level two is really, really scary. Level three is really, really, really scary. And they put this in level two. And I'm like, I'm fully geared up expecting this to be over the top just because of like, I know what has come out. I haven't seen a lot of the newer horror stuff that's come out. But I get the idea. And like, the jump scares were not jumpy scary to me the the grotesqueness was not as grotesque as i thought it was gonna be like i came into it poised and ready to be like oh this is gonna be crazy and then yeah <laughs> i was underwhelmed like i said i was kind of okay. bored like i i what just... there's no wrong answer i yeah. just wanted to get your opinion as a first-time viewer yeah that's that was my opinion as a first-time viewer of this movie. So nailed it, bud. All right, we're gonna. Uh, <clears throat> I will tell what I'm gonna jump in first, and we'll let Scott correct us. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> um, again, having only seen the first two movies in the franchise before we jumped into the reboot, um, I was kind of where Jay was. Um, I enjoyed the film overall. As far as the the gore and the grotesqueness, I felt they really kind of downplayed it um, to the level of I felt it maybe kind of did a disservice to the movie. Like, I feel like we had gorier kills and, and more body horror. Like, there were more moments that made me go <laughs> when I was watching Halloween Kills uh, before I saw Halloween Ends this past weekend than when I watched Hellraiser. Uh, and, and I feel like maybe they in an attempt to make it more appealing to massive, more bigger, wider audience. There we got sort of couldn't think of. Um, they maybe toned it back a little too much. Um, I was intrigued in, and this is partly because of my, what I knew about the franchise going into this movie. Um, I like what they did with the lore and the mythology and the, the, the um, limit configuration, the puzzle box. Um, I like that they actually kind of, and I know Scott will get much more into this, but they kind of like, for the first time, I feel like established a set of rules for how does this shit work? Um, <clears throat> I feel like previous movies kind of played fast and loose with how it worked, depending on the plot and what needed to happen. This movie kind of gives you a, a set of rules. I liked all the, the lore that they threw in. Uh, I liked all the stuff uh, in, in the third act in, in the house. Um, but I, I'm, yeah, uh, the first maybe two acts of this movie felt kind of slow. And that's, it's partly because, okay, I know this is a Hellraiser movie. I know what's coming. Let's get to it. Uh, you know, the eyes and audience was ahead of the viewer and waiting for them to get to the part I knew, which is not to say that the film doesn't have good performances. The actors, uh, do a great job all around. Um, it's a very well shot, well lit. Uh, uh, it's a very nice looking horror movie. Um, but I, I was just kind of like, all right, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. And that, that opening, Jay's right. That cold open was great. Um, my, my one, I have a gripe about that, but we'll get that. We'll get to spoil it. But the, the cold open was good. And then it was just kind of like, like we started out at like a eight and then we slowly crept down to like a five. And then we 
very gradually pulled it back up again and, and i got a little um um i don't want to say bored a little sort of impatient towards that middle section um but i got, I got bored yeah hey that's fair man uh but overall i like the movie as someone who i think the second movie is still my favorite just because of what it does as far as expanding the lore of the Cenobites in the puzzle box and all that kind of stuff. I think it's still my favorite, um, but I enjoyed what this one did. Um, but I don't know. I, I've, again, I've not seen how low the franchise has gotten. I've seen reviews of some of those and I've seen, you know, read articles online talking about how bad they are, but I've never, I've never witnessed them. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to hand it to Scott uh, who has, witnessed every hellraiser movie going into this one so scott uh as our resident mega fan your uh brief spoiler free thoughts on the hellraiser 2022 reboot well okay so trying to figure out how to do this spoiler free um uh clive barker the the gentleman who wrote the original whoa Spoiler, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> the gentleman that wrote the original novella that the, the movies are based on, uh, and he also wrote the screenplay for um, Hellraiser, the first movie. Uh, he, I, I think he directed, did he direct the first movie? He did direct the first movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's my thought. Directed the first movie um, and served as an executive producer on this movie. Has called this movie not so much a reboot as a reconfiguration. Cute. Cute, but accurate. Yeah. So this movie, in my opinion, takes the concept overall, the overall arc of the first two movies, uh, and get, and presents kind of the both elements from both of the first two movies, from Hellraiser and Hellraiser's to Hellbound um in into one story they, they kind of take that and and they come he combines it and stuff overall i think it's a good movie um now do i do i completely do, do i agree with you about the the fact that the the visceral nature of the kills has been toned down in this one yes yes i do because there's a lot of stuff that does happen off camera um I think the gore factor uh, of the original first two uh, is is more prevalent than it is in this movie. Because this movie is trying to focus a little bit more on storyline than it is the kills. Um, does it suffer from that? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a trade-off. Uh, you know, it depends on what you're watching for. Uh, as the, the biggest thing, in my opinion, that this movie suffers from is the familiarity either of people who have watched the originals or people who know of the originals. In other words, people who have watched Hellraiser versus people who know who Pinhead is. Um, this movie suffers from that familiarity. Like, it's trying to tell a story. And it does a really good job of telling a story. Uh, do I have some nitpicks and would like to have seen it written a little, little differently? Yeah. Um, and we will definitely get into that later. We'll get into that, yeah. Um, 
But at the same time, a lot of people who watch this, I think, are like, oh, we're going to get more Pinhead. We're going to get Pinhead, blah, blah, blah. And they're coming into it. Oh, where are the kills? Where's Pinhead? Where are the kills? What, what, what? Where's Pinhead? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And they're going to feel a little bored. Because this is not Pinhead's movie. This is not a Pinhead movie. Yeah. Uh, if you are watching this movie for Pinhead, you're watching the wrong movie. Can I can I just jump in real quick? Yeah. <clears throat> to to address that from my point of view. Yeah. Um, I wasn't watching it for Pinhead. Some are people you, might be. I wasn't. Are you sure? Huh? Yes. Okay. He was watching it because we said, "Hey Jay, we need you to watch this movie for the show this week." That that is true. Okay, <laughs> that's not entirely false. But I was watching it, like I knew Pinhead would be in it, but yeah. I wasn't watching it for Pinhead. I was also like following the story. Yeah. And in my opinion of storyline in movies and like character, yep. I don't want to say character development. I thought it kind of fell flat. Honestly. Uh, and, and 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 I can I've I've got some points to, to add to the whole character development stuff. I, I can kind of agree with that a little bit. But at the same time, going into this, like when you went in to watch Hellraiser, what did you know about Hellraiser? What that was it was that it was supposed to be gory. Okay. And that's all? That's all you knew that we were looking for gore. You had and no other thing at all. Like, uh, I knew, okay, just because I've seen so many things about horror movies and, like, yeah. read articles and whatnot, yeah. I knew that there was, like, like I knew about the Cenobites, I knew about Pinhead, and yeah. I knew that there was supposed to be some sort of sadistic nature to it. Yes. Like, yes. like I knew that was supposed yeah. to be in there. And... Yeah. I felt like having never seen those movies, yeah. I just felt like those elements were missing. And you're not entirely wrong. And 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 we can get into this when we get into the spoiler part of it, but like I thought it was going to com- take a completely different direction after one scene, but I yeah. I'll explain okay. what I thought mm-hmm. was going to happen and then you guys tell me what you you can critique that, but again, I'm coming at it from a blank canvas point of view. So and again, like, there's there's this is everyone's opinion. There's no right or wrong like, here, and that's why I liked having this particular movie with where we're all at because we're all coming at it with different degrees right. of, of of fandom. And so I, <clears throat> I like I agree, I both agree and disagree with Scott in that like yes, I was watching it expecting something. I didn't know what I was expecting because I'd never seen the original, but I was expecting something more than what I got. And in the meantime, while I was waiting for what I thought was going to happen, the rest of it didn't keep me entertained, if that makes sense. So, like... like I gotcha. That's why I was bored. I wasn't bored because Pinhead wasn't in it. Like, I was bored because I had no stake in it. <laughs> like, like I, I was just like, oh, all right. Cool. This is happening. <laughs> so we're we're right about 15 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and call it. Um, we are going to jump into spoilers. 
So if you've not yet seen the film and the internet hasn't already ruined it and you want to remain uh, unsullied, stop listening to the show now, go watch it and come back. Because from this point on, we're going to, it's open season on all spoilers. Uh, we're going to talk about plot and, and all that kind of stuff and spill all the beans. So, um, try to think where to start with that. Jay, do you... So yeah, so yeah, so the cold open of this movie is great, and it's very much what I was hoping for and expecting, which is treating the the puzzle box, the lament configuration, like it's essentially a drug or contraband. It's this shady deal where we see a a nondescript brown box trading hands, Uh, and then we cut to the swanky party at a super nice mansion. which is the first yeah I, I liked that scene, but it was also my first kind of big letdown because the Hellraiser series, at least the first couple movies, the the whole reason the Cenobites are wearing BDSM gear is because they're meant to disturb people, not so much gross you out necessarily as be disturbing. Their whole thing is pain and pleasure until there's you can't tell the difference between the two. And and it's sort of that um, be careful what you wish for because you'll get it, but not how you think kind of thing. Uh, that That's always an element in play. So going into, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gearing up for it in my mind. Okay, we're going to walk into like a full-on eyes wide shut, uh, weird-ass rich people sex party, hedonism bot, you know, kind of thing. And we kind of get a glimpse of that. And then we walk right past it. And I know that, you know, for, for efficiency, we've got to get plot to, to move forward. But I feel like this is the first kind of missed opportunity is to really kind of double down on that. Because uh, I think it would have helped to set up the the character, whose name I've forgotten, uh, Rich Dude. You know, Rich, rich Guy. Billionaire. Yeah, Call Billionaire. Richard dude. Billionaire. <laughs> Richard Billionaire. Billionaire. <laughs> Uh, Jay should come up with all the titles or all the character names. Sorry, uh, uh I know his name's Gorn Vizhnik. Voight, something Voight, just Voight. There we go. Yeah, <clears throat> yes, Latino John Voight. Voight. <laughs> oh, be careful what you wish for, you might just get it. <laughs> and now, I want to see the whole movie. Now, hang on, Latino. Okay, are you sure you don't mean? Never look in the eyes of those you kill. They will haunt you forever. What? Clone of Latino John Voight? When did he get here? (laughs) I thought he was on vacation in Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, anyway. So, yeah, so kind of a missed opportunity there, in my opinion. Um, Because it would have been a great way to show that while some people are totally into that and, you know, Voight, uh, Latino John Voight has become completely numb to it and doesn't care about it and he's seeking a higher kind of thing which leads us to our introduction to the puzzle box and the weird mansion that he has set up uh, and I loved most of what came from there I just want to throw out that yeah uh, the the movie threw me a curveball okay uh, because we when we were at the party and then we got this close in zoom focus on this guy walking through the party. Uh-huh. I was expecting him to be this main character. And then it wasn't. 
So that was kind of a neat curveball because I was like, I'm expecting character introduction because the last thing that we see is, was her name Serena? Getting the box and saying that he never goes gets things himself. And mm-hmm. then we cut to the party and we see this guy. So I'm like, oh, that must be the guy. But then it wasn't the guy. So. It wasn't the guy. Um, which actually, you know, it's one of the things I love about this movie is that it's a really great setup. So literally this movie sets up the entire payoff of the plot in that then that line where she mm-hmm. says, Mr. Voigt doesn't do anything he can get somebody else to do. And right there in that one line, that is your setup for the entire plot of this movie. And it's a wonderful payoff, in my opinion. Yeah, you may see it coming, or you may not. But still, it's a payoff. And it's it's, it's wonderfully done. Um, but to, to, to go back to, you know, your, your, your thing of the whole Cenobites wearing the, the BDSM leather thing, the, the, that aesthetic from the first movie and, and everything. Um, that is something that was brought over from the, no, the novella, The Hellbound Heart, was that it wasn't just about pain and torture. Um, that it was about that blurring of the line between pleasure and pain. You know, and and there there are people who get into pain as 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 a form of pleasure, uh, and and such, and the 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 uh, the the dichotomy between the two, and and the sensation and and everything. Um, and in the original novella, like the people who seek out the Cenobites and who seek out the puzzle box, are not people who just want pain. They're not. That's not the. That's not the point. Um, right. In 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 the novella, it's described whenever you start, whenever you start to solve the puzzle box and everything, like you're 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 seeking, like there is no physical pleasure that can give you pleasure anymore. You've become desensitized to just about every form of physical pleasure. And you're searching for something, anything that can, that can, that can, it's just like chasing the dragon, you know, yeah. like, like for, for cocaine and stuff, people who are seeking that first high again, and you can't because you become desensitized to the chemical uh, pleasures of, of the drug uh, and, and such. So they, they pursue this and this movie. So the original movies, lean too much into the, the the gore and the pain and stuff because it was the 80s and that was what everything was into and that was what sold. This movie does do a, a decent job, not an adequate job, because I think what, what Clive Barker wrote, in my opinion right now, can't be fully realized on screen. But this movie does a good job of bringing it back to it because... Because when your characters start to solve the puzzle box and they start to do things like everything around them, sight and sound just just gets cranked to eleven. You know, the 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 all the the, the noise is just coming into them. The, the 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 light gets too bright. So it tries to give us a little bit more of of that flavor than the original did, in my opinion. Well, that is a great segue to my major missed opportunity number one or two. Um, big. So 
everything you just said, I, I, I'm in agreement with. And and the, the idea of that people seek out the box um, because nothing else works for them anymore. Chasing the dragon. All these metaphors we use for addiction. So yeah. when we find out our lead character is a recovering addict, initially I thought, oh, this will be interesting. The box will be her new high. No. Get out of my head, you bastard. Sorry. Um, I feel like the only reason we had the attic thing was so people wouldn't believe her when shit started going crazy, which is fine, but we already saw that done and done better in the Evil Dead remake. So, again, <clears throat> not saying it's terrible, but like I feel like, dude, that was a huge opportunity y'all could have cashed in on. What, what I was going to say is when I was watching the movie and she's i know she took the three pills and then but then she was in the playground mm-hmm. and when she solved the first level of it and then like passed out in what i thought the connection was was like she was tripping balls because she solved that part of the puzzle box and like I was like, oh, but then I remembered, oh, yeah, shit, she took those pills. Maybe that's what it was. Because then we never got that again. And I agree with mm-hmm. you, it was a missed opportunity where, like, if she had just dumped out the pills and then not picked them up and went to the playground and then solved the box but got that same high, it would have given incentive for her to continue solving the box. Mm-hmm. Like chasing the dragon. Mm-hmm. and Which would have, I think, played better into a plot of a movie like this than what we actually did get. Well, so I agree that the whole her being an addict thing and stuff should have played a little bit more into it, but I, I disagree that her being an addict should have been her basis for continuing to solve the puzzle box. And okay. here, herein lies a, a, a point that I think the, the you know, first of all, we're, we're talking about where this movie fails at. I do enjoy the movie. Uh, I When I watched it, I did like it. I didn't really have a problem with it. Now, I, I, I'm nitpicking here um, because, um, uh, you know, in, in the original story, uh, the main character, Kirsty is basically um, uh, feeding souls to the puzzle box. Well, actually, first of all, uh, you've got this whole thing where um, uh, Julia is is feeding souls to Frank to to get him back. But then Kirsty is feeding souls to the puzzle box. She's basically trying to get her father back, you know, uh, because her father is gone uh, and she's trying to save her father and stuff. And so then you've got this this thing in in the new movie where one of the first victims to the puzzle box at the beginning is is the main character's brother, and so she's solving it trying to get her brother back. Um, I feel like either a we should have gone with the attic story and just done it that way that she that she's the one chasing you know the pleasure or, or what have you. And that was her motivation, or we should have had that her 
her brother was dead going into this, and that was part of the reason why she became an addict was because she was lost in the wake of her brother. And so she was using the puzzle box to try and get her brother back. I don't think we should have started with her brother being alive and then becoming one of the victims of the puzzle box. <clears throat> that leads me to my other big thing, Scott. <clears throat> uh, missed opportunity, I guess I'd call it. Um, and I'm with Scott. I enjoyed this movie. I just feel like there was a lot of potential that didn't really get followed up on. Um, so at the end of the film, I'm going to jump right to the end of the movie. Um, yes, her, her incentive is she, she, once she figures out what the box is and how it works and that if she gets to the last configuration, she can have an audience with some kind of God and, and there's a resurrection she can ask for, Oh, I can get my brother back. I'm okay with that as motivation. I like the, the drug addict better, but okay, that's our motivation. I can believe it. Okay, fine. Uh, that also kind of helps tie in some of the other peripheral characters, like the the brother's boyfriend and the roommate, the 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 Asian girl whose name I can't remember because she's just there to get killed off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, who has no personality and like ten lines of dialogue. Anyway, um, it ties you know there trying to help her get him back too. Okay, fine, sure. So the whole thing with the puzzle boxes and and the and the whole Cenobites and all that is you're going to get what you want, but never how you think you want it yeah. or, or how you think it's going to yeah. happen. It's sort of like that, uh, the, the genie thing, yeah. like, well, I'll grant your wish, but it's not going to be how you think. Yeah. So when we get to that and there's that brief minute scene where she's like, sees her brother and he's like, are you my brother? And he's like, I, I could be, if you want me to be. And I was fully expecting this movie's like big kind of dark ending to be her brother comes back. But in an homage to the original film, he comes back as that skinless ghoul that she oh. now has to feed souls to to resurrect her brother. Yeah. Yeah, I could have seen that. Yeah, that's not what I got. Yeah, I got it, this movie. But yeah, I see that. I see where you're going. Yeah, it didn't have to be the whole movie, but just at the end. Uh, uh, you know, we've kind of concluded, and this is not like a necessarily a, a post credit scene, but like kind of like a, a, a stinger, like a, a you know, horror movies always have to end on that kind of dark twist of, of she did get her brother back, but he's that, and now she has to, you know, so we, we kind of come around to that. Like, as soon as they mentioned resurrection was one of the things that the box will do for you, I was like, oh, like Julia and Frank yeah. in the first movie, yeah. and it's going to be her brother now. Oh, yeah. I see where we're going, and, yeah. and no, we didn't. Yeah. Um, Once again, that's not what I that's not what I was getting <clears throat> into in, into the the end of this movie, but I can totally see that. Okay, <clears throat> what I what I thought was going to happen um, was that she was going to take her brother's place and get her brother back, but she would die. Okay, which, which I also thought would have been like a decent conclusion to the movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like she finally <clears throat> like she the, the whole premise of her being in recovery is that she keeps fucking up and like people keep pointing out that she keeps fucking up. And this was then her chance to do the right thing and like take the place and bring back, I guess, the good sibling, you could say, like, mm -hmm. that's where I thought it was going to go. OK. And, well, and I'd, that would have been, I'd have been okay with that too. All right, Scott, school us. Well, what got me with, when I was watching it and, and when I saw it was 
so she gets to the she gets to you know the last configuration which uh i believe in in this uh version is the leviathan configuration mm-hmm. uh right I, I think that's what it's yes. called um which basically so first of all i love the mechanics of the of of the puzzle box in this yes game. Because that is 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 really where the the true awesomeness of this movie lies is that it gives us from the beginning a concrete rule set of how it behaves. Yes, because uh, you you touched on this back at the beginning with the the first movie there, there was a concept and the second movie tried to grow on that and it's like okay let's expand on it and like each subsequent movie tries to expand on it without there being a concrete rule set to play off of. They all got to add their own little bit. And so it just it spirals out of control and everything. This this gives us rules from the get go. So once you get to the to the Leviathan configuration, whoever possesses the cube at the end of that basically gets to choose. Which of the six gifts. That it wants and you've got lament, lore, uh, lauderant, liminal, Lazarus and Leviathan. Uh, and and they basically represent their 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 Greek words and stuff for you know uh, uh, in 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 um, uh, in order you know life knowledge love sensation resurrection and and power um, and you know at the end you know the our main character is at the leviathan configuration she didn't want to be but that's where she finds herself and 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 she she basically comes she comes to the realization that she's been chasing her brother and you think she's going to choose resurrection and stuff like that right um but she finally realizes that she has to let him go she has to accept that he's dead and and the ultimate thing of the story is that the way out of it is to choose life, is to lament that you are wrong, that, that this is not the path that you want to go down. And you choose the lament configuration, which resets the puzzle box back to its first configuration. Boom, you're done. You're out. You know, you've had your temptation Kind of like Galadriel, you know, seeing resisting the, the 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 call of the ring in the Lord of the Rings, which is literally it's the exact same damn thing, um, and everything. The problem that I had with that was that the whole thing comes from Pinhead, comes from the Hell Priest. You know, she's mm-hmm. the Cenobite. She's like, you choose the Lament configuration. Blah 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 blah. That should not have been what was going on. Uh, the hell priest, pinhead, whatever you want to call her, it because it's not supposed to be a he or a her, it's supposed to be an androgynous form. Um, so all you, you know, pinhead's a Disney princess, fuckers can just lay off that shit because it's an androgynous thing, it's not male or female. Um, um, they should have been trying to tempt her the entire time with the resurrection the lazarus configuration they should have been touting the rewards you can you know you can have your brother back you know your brother is what you want it's here it's here for the taking 
you know, Lazarus is what you need. Lazarus this. That's what the 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 hell priest should have been doing the entire time. Literally, the realization should have come from the character. You know, the, no, I choose to lament. Like, mm-hmm. they, they should have had that epiphany. Mm-hmm. That should have been a character epiphany uh, at the end of it. Um, not the whole, the, like, I, I, I disliked the whole thing of, oh, you choose the lament configuration coming from the hell priest. That I did not like. That, that was annoying. The antagonist just hands her the solution. Exactly. That should have been an epiphany of the character herself. And literally, as soon as she chose lament, then Pinhead, the hell priest, should have been, no, as the as the box starts to, yeah, it's a bit cliched. I get that. But there's a shit ton of cliche in this movie already. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But as the box started to reconfigure, you know, that's when we should have, you know, the the hell priest realizes I've been defeated, and but they can't stop it at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's um, that's what I that 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 was my takeaway from the end of the movie. Like, eh, you messed it up a bit. Yeah, and, but while we're on the subject of the brother and even the roommate, and like pretty much every character in this movie, mm-hmm. I had no emotional connection to. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Every every other character in this movie is meant to die. Like, and it's like, it's like, oh, your brother died. Well, that sucks. Okay, let's uh, let's go to the next one. Well, because oh, so Serena, like, honestly, Serena was the most emotional death for me. And by emotional, I went, oh, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like, like she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like she's she, of all the people, like. Because her brother was being a real dickhead. Yeah, all 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 we see, we never got a glimpse of their relationship pre her addiction. All we yeah. see is him yelling at her like he's her parent, yeah. and her rebelling against him. And then the boyfriend who wants to like listen in on the family drama, and then her boyfriend who's just DTF uh, until his real uh, motives are revealed at the end. Which was Which kind was of a, not a plot twist at all. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like if you hadn't done that, it would just not make sense because like he clearly knows way too much the entire movie. So it's like, okay, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop on. Why does he know any of this? Not just I work down at the docks. No, there's more going on here. So we're waiting for that the whole time. But yeah, we don't have any connection or or any reason to like any of these people. Like even the first movie, granted, it might be a bit of a cheat, but. Uh, Christy, Kirsty, the Kirsty, the the daughter who kind of becomes the I don't want to say protagonist because she's not really the star, but like she's a very instantly sympathetic character because she's just trying to get her dad back. She never wanted any of this. She didn't cause any of this. She's caught up in it. Yeah. She's someone you can latch on to and root for. And this movie doesn't have that at all. No, no. And now then, this once again, this movie would have had that had had you started. You know, with with this main character coming out of rehab or something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and going to the the fiance, the husband, the boyfriend, whatever of her brother, basically have her brother be dead from the from the get go. You know, or, 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 or something. And that's the re- and that's the yeah. reason she's in. And that's, well, she's and, leaning and, into drugs yeah. and addiction. Well, possibly <clears throat> uh, you, you could write it a couple of different ways, but yeah. 
like have her like have her entire pursuit in this thing be the resurrection of her brother, trying to find her brother. And when she's literally handed a, a magical puzzle box that will do that, but she ultimately comes to the conclusion that she has to let him go, that ultimately is that that's your story. That's yeah. character growth. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> that I would not have been bored with. <laughs> That it would have been like, oh, all right, okay, well, character development. Oh, let's I, get I'm on. Sympathetic to this character. Let's jump on to something else Scott's touched on, but I want to spend a little bit more time on, which is, and, and again, this kind of goes back to what Jay kind of said, which is he was a bit bored and underwhelmed. Um, I knew we were redesigning and getting all new Cenobites. I knew um, Pinhead, for lack of a better term, because even Clive Barker hates that name, Pinhead. Um, yes, he was going to be played by a female actress. Okay, cool, fine. Cenobites in 2022. I am hyped. What do you got for me? I was a bit underwhelmed. I like uh, the way they looked. I like the design. <laughs> the, the the design. I I I'm, I like that we're we're not just trying to do uh, black leather BDSM stuff. I like that they're not wearing clothing. It's their own flesh carved up and filleted. I'm cool with that. I think it looked a little clean. Uh, but my biggest problem was I wasn't scared by any of these Cenobites. No. None of them felt creepy. None of them felt... I don't know if it's if the makeup was too overdone or if it's the way they're presented. The scene where she's high and circling around on the merry-go-round in the park and she kind of catches glimpses of the Cenobites, that was the only scene that was kind of creepy to me. The rest of the time... They the way they handle the Cenobites, it's like they might as well just be fucking zombies. They're not scary. They're not threatening. I'm not terrified of them. Literally, our plan in Act Three is lure one in the house so we can trap it. Like, and then the whole thing with oh, take the box and just stab one of the Cenobites with it. It'll take them instead. Oh yeah, God. Like so, so the the addition of the puzzle box having a hidden blade that whoever solves it. Is 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 gonna get stabbed or whatever, and 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 the blood from that sacrifice, the Cenobites will come from whoever solves it. Like I loved that, mm-hmm. but then the whole oh stab the Cenobite, it'll come after them instead. Yeah, that was that was dumb. That that, that, uh, was, that was completely just just <clears throat> stupid. That, like, it's you look back at the first movie, and when we first are introduced to the Cenobites in full, which granted is very late in the movie. Yeah, but they come out of shadow and are revealed to us like the chatterer. You hear the teeth chattering before you see him like they're treated as things to be feared in this movie. I don't know if it's the lighting or what, but it's just like, here they are. Um, Standing around. Here we go. so, So you guys are familiar with my dog, Brandy. You'll, yes, we know we know Brian Dog. But you'll understand where this is going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um to those cat. listeners, <laughs> to the listeners who don't know my dog, Brandy, she's terrified of everything. And which great is surprising. Which is surprising because she was a hunting dog and she was a great hunting dog. She really was. Allegedly. Uh no, she really was. I've seen her in action. <laughs> um but like when she was younger, but now she's just like a house dog, scared of everything. She's an old lady, snoops out the window. Anyway, when I come home from school, sometimes she's like super excited to see me. 
and she can't hold her excitement in. And so she just starts shaking and her mouth clicks, clatters, her teeth clatter together like super fast. Like, uh, like, like, like it sounds like a sewing machine basically. Mm-hmm. And Megan asked me, how was the movie? And I was like, there was literally one character who reminded me of Brandy because they just clacked their teeth together. That's all they did. They just sat there and clacked their teeth. And I was like, if I was in that movie, I'd be like, sir or ma'am, could you stop that, please? You probably shouldn't grind your teeth. It's bad for your teeth. Like, I was not scared at all. It's so the just... chatterer just needed a nice pet behind the ears? Yeah. Like, okay. it was just like, oh, it's excited <laughs> to see you. His teeth are clacking. Oh, look at that. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I wasn't scared. Yeah, the design I'm okay with. And I love the idea of skewing the black leather stuff. And going with the the idea of you know the carved up flesh, I'm fine with that. But it looked a little too latex and not enough real flesh for me. Yeah, personal opinion. Well, yeah. So um, part of of what I think hurts the Cenobites and 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 the overall execution of this movie is that they're trying to give us the you know. The, like like everyone's everyone knows about you know the three main Cenobites, Pinhead, the Chatterer, and uh, I call her Throat Lady because that's the only thing that I know. <laughs> the chick one. The chick one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so everyone's like, "Oh, where are they at?" You know, and and, and it becomes the curse of familiarity, right? You know, you're you you just you know it's coming, so you're looking for it and, and mm-hmm. stuff. And while I I do love the aesthetics of what's given, yeah, it does. It looks a little too clean, you know, um, versus bloody and visceral. Yeah, I don't feel like they're in pain from any of that. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. What's what is the one the chatterer with the teeth showing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like all I could think of when they popped up was like hi hi. You guys want to come check out my place? You guys, let's go hang out. We got pleasure, we got pain, whatever you want. We can listen to our Britney Spears CDs. It'll be pretty sweet. Guys, you'll be super sweet, guys. Come on. You guys like like Backstreet Boys? You're in sync. Like, uh, I'm sorry. I just, I wasn't scared. And like, Scott, you remember our conversation (laughs) about like, I have overactive imagination. Yeah. I slept like a baby last night. Like, <laughs> nothing scared me at all. Like, I was just like, oh, all right. So, yeah, unless uh, do anyone else want to weigh in on the Cenobites? Yeah, I, personally, while, yeah. you know, I mean, while I I didn't mind the way they looked, do I prefer the original Cenobites? Oh, yeah. Like, you go back to that, you know, the original, the, the leather and everything, with because the wounds that they're suffering look like they hurt you know and everything and uh and stuff and i i don't know um i don't know i mean as much as i did enjoy the new movie but no i think good concept not so great execution yeah there there were definitely parts of it i didn't hate but like for me personally it was also way too predictable Okay. Um, 
that's just my well, take on it. Like it's just I I was gonna transition to what we did like about it. Oh, okay. Um so <clears throat> unless you want to get the predictability, you wanna elaborate on that? Oh, I mean just like the boyfriend being a worker for Voight. Um they telegraphed that, like you said, you kept waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. Um when it turned out to be Voight in his own mansion, I was not shocked by that. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, oh, you got it. the whole, he got a gift, but didn't, it wasn't what he expected. You're like, oh, sucks to suck, bro. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just, I guess it was just kind of predictable. Like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Oh, oh, he's going to trade. Oh yeah, sure. This is going to turn out well, isn't it? Oh no, it didn't turn out well, did it? So it's just kind of like, like okay. I said, just very tropey to me. Like I just sort of. <laughs> so one thing. Telegraphed thing. Well, go ahead. One thing I think me and Scott both really enjoyed is the way they've rethought the puzzle box. I loved everything about the puzzle box in this movie. I love that when it changes configuration, it physically changes shape and they didn't do it over CGI where it looks fake. It like, I legit believe this thing is like transforming in front of me. I loved all the different actual configurations it went through. Um, I I love the rule of the, the, you solve it, you get marked by blood. Um, I love that we have the, the, it's a bit of an expo dump, but, when she gets to the mansion and finds his his room with all the notes he has about it and the different configurations and what they relate to. And I, I loved all that stuff. Uh, in, in lieu of not being scared by the Cenobites, that kind of filled the void. And I was like, well, this is cool. I, I'm, I'm into this. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, it was just because, like, you know, watching the other films and everything. So in the first movie, you get the puzzle box, which when you quote unquote solve it and, 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 and keep in mind, they were limited by the practicality of, of the, the visual effects in the process. In a very small budget. In a very small budget. So it literally just like it, it like separates in half and then twists 90 degrees and comes back down. And that's the quote unquote solving it. Um, and that opens the gateway to hell, which summons the Cenobites, which they do their thing, because you're the one that opened the box. And and cool. Uh, all right, gotcha. But then you go into the second movie. In the second movie, they're like, "Well, we need to, we need to expand on that." So, in the second movie, you've got you know uh, the Doctor, who apparently there's multiple puzzle boxes that do different things. And but we never come back to that. Well, we never come back to that. And then, you know, uh, and then you've got uh, Hellraiser 3, which kind of brings itself back a little bit. We get the origin of Pinhead, like where the guy who becomes Pinhead, where he came from and his origin. Of That's in two. Uh, is that in two? Yeah, where he's in, in World War One solving World the, the puzzle box. That yeah, that, that, that's the beginning of two. Okay, it's been a while since I've watched them. Um, but you get that and everything, and then you get bloodlines, you know, which goes into the history of the gentleman who, who, uh, who created the original puzzle box, and like he created the puzzle box with a the puzzle box with a flaw um, to help trap Pinhead and everything. Yes, there's and a small exhaust port. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's when you that's when you get the the whole you know his 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 ancestors his descendants create a space station uh in the far future because everybody was doing the hey let's take our slasher uh, people to space the mm-hmm. uh, bandwagon you know uh and stuff so i really love in this movie that they they bring it back and give us a definitive this is how it works there is a puzzle box this are these are the rules uh and and, and going forward Do, would i love to see more of this yes as long as it doesn't violate its own rules um i'm all for seeing more of it <laughs> but i still love the original <laughs> i also enjoyed that the uh that latino john voight um and granted it kind of becomes a detriment later but the the fact that he's built this elaborate cage around the mansion to reflect the the puzzle box to trap the cenobites there Uh, a lot of people online have criticized the movie and said it's too much like 13 ghosts which first of all fuck you 13 ghosts is awesome it should be so lucky uh and great movie not goats ghosts uh and second of all uh i i was intrigued by that when we first see it uh in in the the cold open and then the payoff for it was kind of like oh okay that's a little all right and then by the time we get like through the movie i'm like okay well this is dumb if we can just trap the centibites with like electrified metal in a certain pattern because they never really explain how he figures out like we see them literally creating portals from their dimension into ours out of like the back of a van but somehow this cage traps them and i'm like okay i'm confused how this works um so i I like the imagery of it but i think as as far as the storytelling element it, it ended up being a bit more of a hindrance um but i liked Again, uh, the Cenobites weren't particularly scary, but the the lore was cool. And again, they gave us just enough rules to be to clarify what's happening and how it works, without having to give the whole expo dump of who made it, where did it came from, how did you know all that kind of stuff. They kept enough mystery intact that it, it uh, the the box itself remains sort of an aura of uh, foreboding and, and mystery and and, and whatnot. They they didn't completely strip minor of all that so well well john yes jay there's i didn't know you i don't i'm surprised you didn't know this but there's a deleted scene uh-oh where um Voight uh-huh. is actually talking with the decapitated head um of an ancient deity that um gives him the uh the blueprints for the cage before it finally dies oh yeah, it's. I'm surprised you didn't see that one. I missed that, Jay. Sorry, bud. Something, something about him being a Carpathian. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't really paying attention that closely. Wait, what? Uh, what? Um. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, I was gonna agree with you guys with the box though. The puzzle box was really cool. Like when in the cold open, when Joe, Joseph, sure, aka Joe. That was his name, apparently. Meat puppet number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, picks up the box and is like looking at it. And then billionaire Voight comes out and he's like, oh, no, you can hold it. Go ahead. Hold it. And I'm just like, OK. He's like, it's a puzzle box. Go ahead. Solve it. It's almost done. And he's just like, oh, shit, this is not a good idea. 
And then he actually, like, he just starts solving it. Which I do have one gripe, is, like, how do they know how to solve it? They just sort of twist things. But anyway, uh, and then, then the blade pops out. I was like, oh, shit. Like, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the blade pops out and our main protagonist, um, Druggy, Druggy McGee, uh, she's playing with the box. And, like, her hands are away from the blade when it pops out, which I thought was kind of cool. That she didn't get sliced by it. Nice. That's, I don't, yeah. Okay. Rambling, incoherent rambling. Scott, any other positives, things you really enjoyed about the film? Um... When this movie finally does start firing on all four cylinders and you do get some full-on gore, they do a really good job with the gore they show you. Like, it takes a minute to get under, to get its feet under itself, but once it does, like in the third act, like I enjoyed the whole of the third act. Uh, Was some of it, you know, predictable and stuff? Yeah. But I still enjoyed it. Um... I kind of enjoyed when unnamed Asian lady roommate, uh, when she got strung up in chains and then reverted to, I'm pretty sure she did. It sound like, I don't know, it was kind of muffled audio, but I'm pretty sure she started speaking her not English language. Like when she was praying. Wasn't she speaking Latin? I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't English. It didn't sound like okay. English to me. But she was praying, and then Pinhead is like, "Who are you praying to?" Like I was like, "Oh no!" Like that, yeah. Well, like you said that the other thing too was the visual effects of the the portals to the other dimension yeah. opening randomly, and the van. The van was a cool transition. Um, how it just sort of drove away and left her there, and like uh, main character druggy mcdruggerson looked in the rear rear view mirror and could see what was going on i thought that was kind of cool yeah the the movie benefits from from a lot of visual effects um riley that was her name okay in in the second movie they do some cool stuff with portals opening but it's all physical practical so it's it's impressive but in this movie, with the benefit of good CGI, again, you get portals and not just like, you know, the wall of the set splits apart, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. It's cool. Uh, but like you can do stuff with portals here, like the ground opens up. The Again, the freaking back of the van becomes a, a portal to the um, not to hell to their dimension. Um, and I do love the brief glimpse we get of their dimension when leviathan does descend uh the little glimmer we get of the labyrinthine mc escher kind of universe that they they inhabit um that was a cool little tease i'd love to see more of that the way hellraiser 2 uh gave us a lot more of that um but that does lead to my one last like oh this would have been cool but we didn't kind of thing which is latino john voight at the end gets grabbed by uh freaking the chain from 
the Titanic, apparently. Uh, that giant chain and hook grab him and pull him up into the sky. And I thought, okay, if original Pinhead, OG, um, what's his name? Bradley, Douglas Bradley? What's Pinhead's name, Scott? Oh, um, the actor? Um, yeah. Shit. Now that you asked me, I can't tell you. Uh, Doug Bradley. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't remember <clears throat> you asked me. <clears throat> I thought, okay, if we're going to get a Doug Bradley cameo, here's the perfect place to do it. Because we do get the <clears throat> um, sort of post-credit stinger of uh, Latino John Voight is now in their universe and we see him beginning to be turned into a Cenobite. I kept waiting to see Leviathan, their god, you know, the god of the Cenobites, as Doug Bradley. Not as Pinhead, but as a new character played by that actor. And I thought for certain they'll give him the line, uh, the no tears. Um because we already gave the new pinhead the I have such sight to show you thing. Uh, I thought that would have been a really cool way to to show that, you know, he's still around, but there there's a new hell priest, pinhead, whatever, but he's still in here because the man deserves it. Um, but that's just wishful fan thinking. Yeah. Um, we do get a very brief glimpse, again, of, of uh, Voight being turned into a Cenobite, but too brief. Um, well, it was... It was very much a, a nod to, you know, when when Canard gets uh, turned into a Cenobite in, in Hell, Hellraiser 2. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious that they're alluding to that, and they're also trying to set up a potential sequel. Like, hey, look, he's becoming a Cenobite. We'll see him in the next movie type thing, which is all well mm-hmm. and, and, and everything. But we do get, so in, in, in Hellraiser 2, uh, the the Cenobite god, the Leviathan, is that that weird obelisk pyramid shape thing coming from the sky, and we do see that in this movie, right? They, yes, they don't, they don't call it that. They don't refer to it by name, but yeah, yeah. towards the end, it, it yeah. does descend from the sky, and that's where the chain yeah. comes from. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same shape as the Leviathan configuration of the cube. Mm-hmm. So yeah, once again, just like it was in Hellraiser two. Exactly. The te- uh, tetrahedron. The tetrahedron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just go back and teach your math class. All right, you know we're, we're talking tetrahedron. Yeah. Leviathan yeah. configuration. Yeah, Tetris. We all like Tetris. It's a fun, <laughs> fun game. Yeah, we know. But yeah, no, I mean, b- between, you know, that descending from the sky and old dude being turned into a new Cenobite and stuff, yeah, we, we get a lot of Hellraiser 2 folded into this. And they do, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's very well uh, relevant, or, or, or um, sorry, I'm trying to remember the word here. Um uh obvious that that they want a second movie and i'm fine with it i watched the second movie i get no problem mm-hmm. <clears throat> i would i would like to issue a formal apology it's not a tetrahedron oh it's an octahedron are you sure Jeez. learn how to count 
Yeah, octahedron. It's got eight sides. It's two pyramids. I'm telling you, man. Anyway, yeah, no, well, I mean, it comes from a box, so that would make sense. Octahedron. Um, Wait, well, how does that make sense? Because a box has got six sides. Cause magic. Okay. Uh, the extra two sides come from John. Where they magic, Jay? I don't know, Jay. John. I didn't. I didn't John. make it, Jay. Where'd that was the joke. From? That makes sense. It comes from a box. John, where did it come from? What's Does in the also... box? What's in the box, John? This is the turns box. into a, a weird like uh, uh, like pentagram thing at one point. Well, not pentagram, but like it's it's like a star shape. But it it goes into shapes that can't physically make. That's what's cool about it. It it goes it turns into a bit from uh uh from from Tron Tron, Tron yeah. yeah it turns into a bit a bite <coughs> a bit a bite uh, a bite a bit a bit of a bite. Okay. <laughs> Any last lingering thoughts, opinions, questions, uh things you want to get off your chest about the Hellraiser reboot? Um I guess I'll have to watch the original now. I don't know. Yes, yes, you will. Contrast and compare. I don't know what that means, but okay, sure. <laughs> you know what was contrasting? What 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 was the same? Compare, contrast, and compare. No, okay. I'll get you my shutter uh, code. You can watch it with the Joe Bob cut-ins. Uh, I do enjoy that for a reboot, it does not necessarily directly contradict anything from at least the first two movies. So you could just look at it if you wanted to as a continuation of. Because uh, Cenobites, you know, drop off and get replaced all the time. So this could just be the new Hell Priestess. Priest, whatever. Unless I missed something, Scott. No, well, so... Uh, the the character of quote unquote Pinhead, which was named by the fandom and and, mm-hmm. everything, and yes, you're right. Clyde Barker hates that name because it 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 trivializes a character that he foresaw in his head. Um, the 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 character in I think the original movie and in the new movie is literally just uh, attributed as the priest. Not pinhead, not male, not female. It's not meant to be a specific gender. It is meant to be completely androgynous. It's a robot? Not an android. (laughs) You filthy heathen you. In fact, I think in the credits of the first film, it's not even pre... It's just lead Cenobite or head Cenobite. Oh, yeah, it might be, yeah. Exactly. Lead Cenobite is what he's, he's credited as in the first movie. And then when fans came up with Pinhead, Clyde Barker was like, oh, no, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you, you... He was never intended to be... Uh, a, 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 he was, he was just, He's the Cenobite who talked the most. Uh, so we called him lead Cenobite. He was never meant to be anything, you know, well, the, the I, fans built him up to be bigger yeah. than he was. So at that point, Clyde Barker's like, yeah. if you're going to call him that, I'll give you a name to call him. He, you, he was never supposed to have a name, but here. No. Well, and, and, and I think in the the novella, in, in the Hellbound Heart, I, I think he's he's uh, referred to as the Hell Priest. 
which is why we have the the accreditation of, of the character as the priest in the new movie. I, I think. It's been mm-hmm. a while since I've read the novella. So. Several years. Fair enough. So there so you go. The, the The priest is that movie with Vision in it. Yeah, Vision and Billy Butcher. <laughs> Wait, is he in that? Yeah, he's the main villain. Oh, I don't know. I've never actually seen it. So. Oh, Jay, it's so bad. Is but it so bad it's, it's good fun. or is it so bad? Yes, bad. okay, okay, okay. Jay, it's like if I told you, Jay, I want you to remake The Searchers with John Wayne. Only I want the John Wayne character to be like a super-powered vampire hunter set in a post-apocalyptic world where uh, vampires are monsters that live on reservations and people live in like mega city. Do that. That's pretty. I'd, I'd, I'd probably watch that over Hellraiser. Not gonna lie. Uh, I think I think it's more up your alley, Jay. It's much more action than it is horror, and of course, it has. We're, we're way off topic now. Sorry. <coughs> um, no, watch Hellraiser because that's what we're talking about this week. <laughs> hey, I didn't mind Priest. Priest was okay. I didn't care about the television series follow up that they tried to do with it, which was weird. There was a TV follow up to Priest. I thought so. If if I'm remembering, correctly. I think you're thinking of Legion. Oh, that's right. You're you're right. You're right. You're right. No, the you're other weird. Tremors. Yeah, the other weird horror action movie thing with Paul Bettany in it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, look, I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at the IMDb for Priest now, and it's mm-hmm. got Paul Bettany, Carl Urban, Brad Dorif, Christopher Plummer. I need to watch this movie. Apparently, I'll bring it to you tomorrow. I've not seen this movie, apparently. Again, it's not great, but it's fun. Um, so there you go, kids. Uh, watch Priest instead. That's what we're recommending to you. It's a long way to drive to drop off a movie for me, John, but I'll take it. I was talking to Sky. You find your own copy. Oh. Oh. I'll drop right. it in the mail for you, Jay. It'll be there in a week. See, see if I ever watch a movie you guys tell me to watch again. <laughs> so that's our show. Um, we enjoyed, for the most part, uh, Hellraiser, I think we all felt that it could have been better in areas, uh, had some missed opportunities, but it sure didn't send Pinhead into space. So it's it, got it, that it, going for it. What was that, Scott? Oh, um, actually, and, and, and yeah, it did not send Pinhead into space. Um, but it does, it does lack the one thing I love about Hellraiser 3. And that is? So first of all, you've got Terry Farrell in that movie. You've got Jadzia Dax herself from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The year before she takes on the role of Jadzia Dax in Deep Space Nine. But she has one of my favorite lines slash scenes in Hellraiser 3. And that is she's running from the Cenobites, the new Cenobites, the the CD guy and, and everything. The camera and his eye guy. Camera and his eye guy, yeah. Because uh, they, they, they killed off the old Cenobites and they had to come up with new Cenobites because I guess they needed new toys or something for the toy line. Uh, it, it was the 80s slash 90s. Who knows? Um, but she runs into a church and I love this scene where she goes up to the priest and she says, help, help, I need, I need help. I'm being chased by demons. 
and the priest says, my child, there's no such thing in reality as actual demons. They don't exist. And the, the, the Cenobites literally burst through the doors and you have Pinhead and everybody in all their demonic glory. And she turns around and points at them and says, then what the fuck is that? I love that entire scene. It's just a great scene. It's just fun. You fucking nerd. <laughs> Scott loves Hellraiser 3 because it has the Star Trek actor before they were in Star Trek. You heard it here, folks. Yes, I do. That's all it takes for Scott. Yep, pretty much. <clears throat> so there's our review of Hellraiser and our recommendation to go watch Priest because it has Carl Urban in it. Um, you're welcome. You get that little extra from us this week. Uh, so until next time, this has been your spooky nerd alert.